So in episode one, I mentioned people like Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, people who achieve outstanding and amazing and unprecedented levels of success, people who seem to be essentially demigods when compared to the rest of us mere mortals. And I said something in passing which really wasn't evidence-based. It was something that I had essentially opined, opined. It was an opinion, an opinion. So I said something like, a person like Steve Gates or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, you know, is it that they were like us, mere mortals? <laughs> and then they somehow figured out something and acted on it? Or is it that they had inborn traits, inborn character traits? And I said, well, there are some people who are, have always been hard workers, let's say, you know, since they were kids. You know, as a child, a person is musically gifted or a hard worker or very meticulous. Like It's like sometimes you meet a six-year-old and they're so astute and proper and well-read and well-mannered and well-bred. And you're like, this kid is going to be a CEO. There's no question about it. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's all, all almost, you know, the same as saying, well, someone could come from the projects or, you know, a backward village in Pakistan and end up being an amazing success as well. One of the most successful people I know is actually my dad. My dad did come from a backward village as such, um, you know. We are from Lahore in Pakistan, which is not the capital, but pretty much the largest city in Pakistan, um, in the Punjab, in the north. Uh, Karachi, in fact, the port city in the south might be larger. Uh, Islamabad is a few hours north of Lahore, but Lahore is, people call it the heart of Pakistan. And it's Punjabi, and Karachi is not Punjabi. So... There's a bit of Pakistani education. But my dad came from a town called Multan. And in fact, he was born in, I guess it would be a town in India called Badayun. I know this because it's on his passport. And I'm not sure if my dad's family migrated uh, when India and Pakistan separated in 1947. My mom's family apparently did migrate. Uh, but Badayun probably became part of what was to become Pakistan. But in any case, um, they moved to a, a, a bigger city called Multan, semi-large city, and finally to Lahore, which is a, a, you know, a megapolis as such. But in any case, my dad is not anything other than, you know, your average Pakistani, okay, from a small town, and yet he's achieved a remarkable level of success, not in terms of a monetary life style or finances and such or power and position. He's not interested in any of those things. 
but he considers himself, and he said this for years, one of the luckiest, if not the luckiest person on the face of this earth, right? And so what he did do is, you know, uh, hop on a plane in, you know, circa 1968, uh, the year he was married, or the year after that, let's say circa 1969, my mom was 16 years old at the time, and they took their little baby boy, my elder brother, who's now you know, uh, like some kind of director at Goldman Sachs. He's been there for seven years in Dubai. He's eminently successful in his own right. Worked at all kinds of amazing financial institutions, financial services providers or whatever, Deutsche Bank and KPMG, the accounting firm. In any case, my dad did his master's uh, in Pakistan went to London and did his master's degree again in London, then went to Scotland, did his PhD, and essentially has been teaching. He's been a professor for over 45 years, since 1970, um, more or less. Um, let me think about this. Yeah, yeah, basically 45 to 50 years my dad's been a professor. Now, along the way, you know, he's delivered a phenomenal lifestyle to us. Um, and he's put four kids through universities out here in the West. Uh, we spent 10 years in Kuwait living in essentially what would be considered luxury to most people, even people who live out here in Canada, you know, Mercedes, uh, air conditioned, huge, huge apartment, you know, like literally it would take me, I'd, I'd have this thing where I'd run from one end of it to the other and it would take me like 20 seconds. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like a lot, but uh, try going for a run in your place and see how quickly you get from one end to the other. In any case, I'm not meaning to brag or boast, but my dad is a very simple, very humble, an honest, hardworking dude. But my point is this, he's achieved amazing levels of success uh, moved to Canada. He's been teaching here in Canada for the last 20 years at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, right? And has always provided, you know, always had, we've always had nice car, nice house, nice everything. Like we have a beautiful house here or they have a beautiful house in Calgary, Alberta. And, you know, everything's peachy. Everything's peachy. Um, and he's a very happy man very happy. I mean, he's never depressed, essentially. So I guess one criteria of success is happiness. And I guess, in a sense, it's the ultimate criteria of success. What I wanted to talk about in this episode is a follow-up on the dichotomy, the dichotomy between a person like my dad even and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and all these people and your average Joe. Okay, so the thing with my dad is very much like my wife. He is super organized, super hardworking, super responsible. If something needs to be taken care of, it's already taken care of. He dates letters as they come in. He's got all his paperwork since he was in the fifth grade. Because his dad, his dad, who was an eminent educator in Pakistan, who actually founded a school, my, my, my granddad, may he rest in peace, 
and be elevated in degrees in the afterlife, as it were. Um, he essentially told my dad when he was in grade five, okay, now you've got to enroll yourself in school or something along those lines. And my dad, since that time, has essentially taken care of himself. And the point I'm trying to make is it's just like my wife. She gets up every day. We're separated, obviously, but she is a carbon copy of my dad and my mom. On the one hand, hardest working person you'll ever meet, uh, most organized person you'll ever meet, most responsible, most financially, um, financially, um, what, what, what would the word be? You know, person who, who is very wise with their money, you know, financially scrupulous in a sense, you know, looking at every penny and every dollar. And that's why my wife achieved amazing levels of success as well as my dad. And actually, my my wife, as I as I was saying, is you know half dad and half of my mom. My mom was an amazing and cheerful and you know c constantly happy person. She would always be in a good mood, always cheerful, always loving, always considerate, giving, compassionate, and uplifting. And my wife is the same way. And my mom, I speak about her in the past tense because unfortunately she's. She's been stricken by some kind of dementia, and over the last four years or so, she essentially has become, you know, just a walking, a walking shell of her former self. She can't really speak. She can't coordinate herself. She can't take care of herself. She needs constant care and attention. Uh, we have caregivers from Alberta Health Services come and visit, and you know things like. One of these moving seats that go up and down the stairs. They're thinking of moving into a new house so that everything's on the same level to make it easy for my mom. But she basically walks around, and for the most part, she's either sleeping um, at night and a nap in the afternoon, or sitting in front of the TV, just essentially not in a vegetative state. She's responsive, but it's hard to say what's going on with her. But in any case, my wife and my dad, incredible people incredibly motivated, incredibly focused, incredibly hardworking. They've just got these incredible qualities that I wish I had some of. And you see the same kinds of traits exhibited by super successful people. And the question I'm posing in this episode is, are these God-given traits? Or is it possible for a lazy person to become motivated and driven is it possible for a person who is average to become the embodiment of excellence this is really this is really the the question this is the question so this is the promise of self-help can you really change who you are episode one i i basically said well you know steve jobs and elon musk and these people and and thinking of people like my wife and my my dad they have these things ingrained in them. My dad is essentially like, if something goes wrong with the car, then it's bugging him until he takes care of it. If there's anything that needs doing, he's one of those people that has a clean plate. This is like an ex-boss of mine used to say in the, in the software world. Having a clean plate, keeping your trays clean. Most of us, myself included, you know, unfortunately, our lives are a cluttered mess. A cluttered mess. There's... So many to do, so many things. 
My wife and my, my dad, on the other hand, they're like freaking wolves with this stuff, like hound dogs. Like there's something to be done, then it gets done, period. It could be painting something, installing something, fixing something, talking to someone, going downtown to fight a parking ticket, whatever. With the rest of us, what happens is we don't take care of the stuff we were meant to take care of. Why? This is perhaps a question for a future episode, but the point is my wife and my dad and all of these super successful people who are the embodiment of success have these things ingrained in them, these qualities that, you know, success is attributable to. So a successful person, like the seven habits of highly successful people, you know, Stephen Covey talks about things like, sharpen your sword right and keep the end in 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 mind begin with the end in mind and and create win-win situations so that's more of a strategic approach what i'm talking about is basic stuff like not being lazy not being lazy i mean if you took one thing away from this episode or this podcast and it was simply do what you know you should do how if you could actually do that, just think about think about how that would transform your life. You'd become, uh, you'd get back in shape. You wouldn't stop wasting money. You wouldn't stop wasting time. You'd take care of all these side projects that you've been thinking about. You'd fix up whatever needs to be fixed up. You'd clean up your place. All these kinds of things, right? So on the one hand, it's like we know what we need to do, but we don't do it. And on the other hand, there are people that seem predisposed to automatically do what they know they should do. Right. So episode one, I was kind of of the of the notion that, once again, thinking about my dad and, and, and my wife and Bill Gates and all these people and thinking about my 30 my 30 plus years of, of indoctrinating with myself with myself with self-help and figuring to myself that self-help sucks because it hasn't worked with me. You know, feeding my brain with all this knowledge about visualization, positive affirmations, self-image, self-esteem, subconscious mind, programming your mind, you know, and going into the spiritual side of things, you know, stilling the mind. Are we meant to program the mind or are we meant to still the mind? The truth of the matter is that life is the ultimate paradox. I mean, it's just all, everything is a paradox. Truth is a paradox. Everything is a paradox. I'd like to write a book one day called The Law of Opposites. And it actually applies to everything. And what The Law of Opposites says is things are not only not as they appear, things are the opposite of what they appear. Rich people are not the happiest. Successful people, of course, are different in a different category. When I say successful, I include happy, but just having money or being famous or being the boss of a company doesn't automatically mean that you're happy, right? And on the other hand, those who have less in life, poorer people and even poorer countries, you'll generally find are happier. They're more down to earth. They're definitely more humble. In any case, I'm digressing. The question once again becomes, can you change who you are? Can you change who you are? So on the one hand, you've got dictums like know thyself know thyself right i mean was it the greeks that came up with it 
Is it something from the Bible? I don't even know, quite frankly. I do know that our Imam Ali um, in 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 Shia Islam, he said, Man arafa nafsa, faqad arafa rabba. Whoever knows himself knows his Lord. Right? And, you know, knowing God, uh, you know, for a person who believes in God, to know God would be the ultimate, the ultimate, essentially. And the way to do that is to know yourself. And what does that even mean? I spent like the whole of the last podcast trying to figure out what is yourself? What does what does it even mean? Right? So how about this? How about this? Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Right? And we'll come back to that um, shortly. But I just want to elaborate once again on the two positions. Episode one, I was thinking, well, Bill Gates and all these guys. Bill Gates, for example, when he was building Microsoft, he didn't take a vacation. He took one Christmas off in 10 years, as the legend goes. And I know for a fact, or at least I've read from you know highly uh, you know, ascertained and verified sources, as in books and audiobooks and articles or whatever. And I've seen um, you know, YouTube videos. There's some amazing YouTube videos of him and Steve Jobs in the early days. Apple actually used to dominate Microsoft. Microsoft was essentially subservient to Apple. Apple was king of its day and then kind of got outmaneuvered by Microsoft and, and Bill Gates. So this, as the story goes, Xerox Labs essentially invented the mouse and Windows. Windows and the mouse, right? So Steve Wozniak and, and Steve Jobs wanted to build a personal home computer. You know, back in the 60s, you had um, vacuum tube-powered computers that literally took up a whole room and essentially just punched out punch cards or some nonsense like this. Or you'd have flashing lights or some Star Trek circa 1969-type nonsense. You know, a whole room. And then by the 70s, based on Moore's Law, you know, every 18 months, computing power becomes exponentially faster and and the costs go down exponentially it doubles every 18 months so and that and that in fact has been happening ever since more predicted uh, or you know premised that this was going on so computing power increases every 18 months and the cost goes down by two a factor of two every 18 months so essentially Computing power quadruples every 18 months. It reminds me of a very interesting fact that Gary Vaynerchuk puts out there. He says that if you take all the content, content from cave paintings to books to art to radio, um, you know, telegraph, uh, you know, TV and computers and everything online up to 2004, all that content is now being created every 48 hours, right? So there's this explosion of data, right? And an explosion of computing power and whatnot. But in any case, back to the early days of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, it's an interesting story. I thought I'd throw it in there. Xerox Labs came up with the mouse and this this thing called Windows. Really, I mean, a concept of having a graphical user interface called a GUI, G-U-I, as opposed to just typing 
words and numbers on on a text line on a text based interface uh the disk operating system or dos which predated windows in any case so bill gates and or steve jobs let's say steve jobs and or bill gates pay a visit to xerox labs and xerox labs are like you know there's this cool stuff we're playing around with and steve jobs was and bill gates looked at each other and they're like this is freaking awesome and then they look at the Xerox guys, and the Xerox guys are like, nah, we're not interested in marketing this. And so, like, they rush off Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and their engineers, and they're all fired up, and they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they have plans or specs for this, this new thing called Windows. And Steve Jobs, I guess, later on was mad that Microsoft beat them to the market because Steve Jobs obviously did – a job which was ba based on quality and and creating the perfect windows based kind of operating system whereas i guess it needs to be said that microsoft is more of a marketing company or at least they have a marketing approach i used to work at oracle and larry ellison of oracle always says and used to say well, Microsoft's not a software company. They're a marketing company. Now, this is Larry Ellison, quote-unquote. They don't make software. They just, well, uh, I guess they make software, but, quote-unquote, they essentially steal their other people's <laughs> software and put it in Windows. In any case, in any case, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, both workaholics, both, you know, very intense individuals in their own way. Um Steve Jobs traversed India for like six months barefoot. Like in the early days when he first got out of school or something, not sure if he graduated or whatnot. I know he lived in a hippie commune in Portland for a while and then went to India and literally walked around a poor like semi-beggar for like six months looking for a guru. That's the kind of guy he was though. And this was back in his like teens slash early 20s. Right, so a very driven individual, and you've got to ask once again, you know, are some people just made that way? Don't we all feel passionate at times? But what what creates someone who's truly driven? Bill Gates, same way, didn't take off a day in ten years at Microsoft. Took off one Christmas, apparently, as the legend goes. And I read myself or heard through, you know, uh, you know. Uh, Paul Anderson or whoever he was working with, you know, talked about the early days as well. He would basically code, code, program for like 72 hours straight and then curl up into a ball on the office floor and, and just pass out for like 12 hours and survive on Skittles and Coca-Cola. Now, it's interesting. I can I consider myself a lazy person. This is the honest truth of it. You know, when I was a kid, I used to sleep all the time. I still sleep a lot. You know, I've been binging on like over the last couple of days because, you know, I've I've been having, you know, business related kind of business building related issues. Or I've let's just say for the last few months, if not the last year, I've been working like a horse and I just needed a few days off just to recalibrate, you know, because I've been under a lot of stress. And literally for the last two days, I've been watching Suits on Netflix. 
And once again, you see all these driven lawyers like Harvey Specter, and he's like an amazing guy, isn't he? And it's like, was he always like that? And you understand, you learn that there were these child, this childhood trauma that he went through, and that's why he is the way he is. So you've got Bill Gates, you've got Steve Jobs, you've got my wife, you've got my sister, uh, rather my dad and my wife. And episode one, literally I was thinking, well, you know, some people just have these naturally ingrained habits. And I don't. Because I don't feel that driven. You know, I've done all these amazing things in my own mind, like written books, literally, like multi-hundred page books, websites, blogs, hundreds of YouTube videos. I've done a lot. And and this podcast, I mean, you know, I plan to continue putting these out there because it's very, you know, it's very, um, for me, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun or it's purposeful or there's something that I get out of creating these recordings, which is inexplicable really. And it's something I just want to do. So I do it. Let's just put it that way. Episode one, I was thinking, okay, well, these guys, like my wife, husband, all these super successful guys, Elon Musk works 18 hour days and Zuckerberg works 16 hour days and so on and so forth. These people are just like, they're just different from us. Then I talked about in episode two, briefly, Sam Ovens, fat loser kid from corporate dropout from New Zealand, living in his dad's basement. And five years later, he's at the top of some penthouse in New York, $20 million a year company, eminent internet marketer slash consultant who owns consulting.com and sells, and sells courses and has hundreds of clients. I mean, even before becoming... Uh, you know, um, an internet marketer, he built his own client base up to $250,000 a month. What he did is he he went through the yellow pages and, and started looking at companies' websites and calling up companies saying, hey, uh, you know, let me build you a website. And once he built them a website, the company would be like, well, no one's visiting my website. So he went out and he found Google ad experts to send traffic to these people's websites and he'd charge them like three grand a month. And he had like, I don't know, like 20 of these clients or a hundred of these clients or whatever. And he started farming it out. The classic internet marketing scaling, which is an infinite business model in the sense of you can scale infinitely. That's, that's how all these people get super rich online. And I'm telling you once again, I said in podcast two, and I'll try and drop something useful in from time to time. You can make money online. There's drop shipping. They're selling on eBay slash Amazon slash um, Craigslist. Uh, there's people making money through Airbnb, right? There's all these courses and programs and videos. You can blog. You can make YouTube videos. You can sell. You can do affiliate marketing and sell offers. You just need to figure out something that works for you you can create online courses you can try a whole bunch of different stuff like i've been doing i finally found something that seems to be working which is social media marketing as in running facebook ads for people and you know i've just recently gotten into google ads slash youtube videos too we basically have a new expert working on our team who basically is just insanely amazing anyway i've got like two and a half minutes left and i really haven't said much but i do want to say this 
people like Bill Gates and people like my wife and people like my dad seem like they are different than normal people. However, people like Sam Ovens, people like, uh, you know, Jeremy Schumacher, this other blogger, unfortunately, those are the only two examples I can think of. But there are people out there who have transformed their lives. One of the reasons I came up with the notion that self-help sucks is a question I want to ask you, dear listener. Do you actually know anyone who's transformed their life in any way? Do you know anyone who's lost a lot of weight or anything that is exceptional? I mean, I guess losing a lot of weight is not such a big deal. My younger brother did it. My brother-in-law did it. They went from being portly or slightly obese or just normal to super slim and super fit and whatnot. So that's doable. But what I'm talking about and what you're interested in and what I'm interested in is a total life transformation. And so I guess I need to accept, and we do based on the evidence, that there are people out there that have changed their lives completely. Now, when you see someone on stage like Tony Robbins talking about how he was about to be evicted and he'd lost everything and yada yada, and he comes back and there's a note on his door from his landlord saying, get out. And he goes in and he lights a candle and he says, it wasn't because I was feeling holy. It's because I had no electricity. And then in that first year of some kind of transformation that took place, he became a millionaire, you know? So, uh, when you see the finished product on stage, you might think that, well, this person is just different. But I guess we'll get into this question in the next episode. The question of what is it that you actually change about yourself? Is it your thoughts? Is it your actions? Or is it your feelings? Or is it a combination of some of those? Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, slash leave comments, slash have a nice day, slash call your mom, slash be nice to your spouse above and beyond everyone else. God bless you.